0: So today I want to focus on questions and comments, uh, both from, uh, I got a flurry of phone calls and text messages yesterday, which is cool, uh, but I also want to scour the Facebook group a little bit. As always, we're going to kind of see how long things take, but um, there's always some good content there, and uh, you know, if that doesn't take enough time, we'll turn to Twitter, because obviously a lot of people have comments and questions on Twitter as well, so that's what we're going to focus on today. A couple quick things. First, if you would like to get in contact, number one, you can follow me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Number two, get in the Facebook group. I think it's like groups slash Podcast or something, I don't know. Search it, you'll find it. Number three, if you'd like to text or call in a question or comment, 608-501-0718. 608-501-0718. Secondly, thank you very much for those of you who have left ratings and reviews. Um, I did post something uh, in the Facebook group, just sort of kind of some links and ideas on how to help the podcast if you're interested. I know a lot of people have helped in a lot of different ways. This is just a way where uh, that isn't, you know, give me your money type help, but other ways that you could help if you wanted to, you know, things like leave a review on iTunes, leave a review on Stitcher. I also added my show on ranker.com, which is a site that ranks podcasts. I looked it up, they get about 40 million views. Obviously, not all of them to the NFL podcast page, but if we could get that upvoted a little bit, that'd be kind of cool. Again, there's a link in the uh, the group if you want to go check that out. And also, number four, the thing that I discovered, if you uh, head over to Reddit, there's quite a few people there asking, what are some good Packers podcasts to listen to? I don't want to be the guy that jumps in there like, hey, there, I heard about this podcast, you know, it's kind of cool. I don't want to do that. Just like I don't want to leave my side... I could sit, I've got like 8 emails for all these different little goofy ventures that I've done. I could easily just plop down and give myself 8 reviews on iTunes and on uh on Stitcher, but I I just that's weird. That's lame. Why? No. So, you know, if you want to help people out and think it's a good show, maybe just let them know about PackerNet podcast, is all I'm saying. But anyways, that's there in the in the uh the Facebook group or tells. I think that's about it. The only other thing, before we get into questions and comments, that I wanted to remind everybody, we're uh, we're getting kind of close here to, uh, you know, NFL craziness time. Kind of working backwards, on Wednesday is officially free agency time. Wednesday at 4 o'clock, and, and I'm telling you right now, once 4 o'clock hits, the, the deals are getting signed. Because there's a lot of stuff that's already right now worked out, illegally, you know, tentatively obviously things could change at this point because it's just kind of like hey you know hello earl thomas's cousin how are you doing i'm jim dorsey's brother and i just thought we should be friends for like a couple weeks what do you what are your interests i like football and and darts you know stuff like that that tends to progress into you know more in-depth conversations that maybe you're prompted by other people. I, You know, I don't know. I'm just saying. But come Wednesday, it's real, real. And, and so there's, there's sort of two levels to it. Early Wednesday is when big-time deals get done. Early Wednesday and Thursday or whatever, like the first day, two, three, whatever, is when people get overpaid. The Packers never get involved that early because the Packers never overpay. And I think, I'm not saying, I'm not going to predict it, but I will say, I think Gutekunst is willing to some degree to overpay. A little bit. A little bit overpay. And if the opportunity arises, and if the Packers can offer enough compensation, because again, you still have to compete with the other teams, but I, I think it's possible the Packers are involved. And I think if we do make a deal, I think the the deal is going to be for a pass rusher. Not that I don't think we're going to get a big-name safety, but just because of that report that, I think it was on Wilde and Tausch or whatever, that the plan is to get a pass rusher and then see how much money is left. So if we go out and get a big name safety, apparently either that was just incorrect or they changed plans or something. Because if you get a safety first, I you know, that plan doesn't really make much sense. But either way that that's exciting. But then on Monday before when I'm not I'm again we're walking backwards now. On Monday, that's when the legal tampering period starts, which means officially John Dorsey can pick up the phone and call Earl Thomas's agent. Well, once teams start doing that kind of stuff, more information is going to get leaked. So all the crazy information we're getting now is going to get ramped up to 11. Some of it's going to be fake. Some of it's going to be real. From my perspective, I don't care. I'm not an insider. I'm a fanalist. As a fan, I love the news. As an analyst, I love analyzing what it might mean if these things are true. And if they're not, it doesn't matter. If I was an insider, I would hate that part of it. Well, that's not true. If I was a fake insider, like 90% of the quote-unquote insiders are, I would hate it because it would be me trying to parse information that probably isn't true. It was actually kind of funny if Walter Football, um, you know, I think a lot of the stuff that he says as far as his evaluation of players is just flat-out wrong. I, I don't necessarily appreciate it. But as far as, you know, like average Joe, which I don't know if you can even call him that anymore, he's been in the know for so long but as far as average joe insiders these guys kind of are pretty on top but anyways walter cherapinski is the guy's name has published a list of like the top insiders you go check it out it was one of his most recent publishes on his website walterfootball.com but basically throughout the season and i'm just starting to do this maybe next year i'll do something similar to what he's doing because i'm kind of late to the game here dance party you so crazy but essentially what he does is, so news comes out, this team is interested in this player and they're expected to sign this player or whatever. Make a prediction. Well, he throws it up on his site because he has a page for NFL rumors. But well, when the season comes to a conclusion, he goes through and looks at all of them and says, how many times was this person right and how many times was this person wrong? You know, when you can make a definitive statement. I suppose there's a lot of predictions being made that you can't make as a definitive statement. But either way, it's, it's really incredible to me how few people... Actually, get stuff right. Not surprisingly, or maybe surprisingly, Charlie Campbell, who's a guy that uh, Walter brought on, was way above everybody else. Now, they could just be a matter of him realizing that this is a thing and only wanting to talk about things that he knows for certain, but the, the fact of the matter is the guy actually knows stuff. He's actually talking to people that know stuff. Some people are just saying things and they don't know anything. Well, here, let's just look at it 2018 NFL draft rumor results. So at the top was Charlie Campbell. He got seven things right, three things wrong. So as a ratio, just by itself, that's awesome. Other really good ratios, Adam Schefter was 3-0. and Todd McShay was 2-0. and Dan Patrick, 2-0. and Lance Zerline, 2-0. and Peter King, 1-0. So we're getting into kind of smaller territory. Josina Anderson, 1-0. and Mike Ruffalo, Dane Brugler, Charles Robinson, uh, Louis Riddick. All of them were undefeated. As far as getting a lot of predictions right, Tony Pauline was number two, getting six, just behind Charlie Campbell, but Tony Pauline also got five wrong. So he got more wrong than anybody else. He says a lot of stuff, and he's a little bit better than 50%, which I guess is good because it's not really the roll of the dice. It's you're more than likely going to be wrong. If you say the Giants are going to get this team, well, you, you know, the odds are definitely stacked against you. Um, some other pretty good um reports or whatever, Jason LaCanfora, who has a really bad reputation, actually was three and one. So props to him. I've been trashing him because I've been listening to everybody else. Um but as far as the results of what Walter Football wrote down, that's not bad. Ian Rappaport was two and one, which is also pretty good. Uh, and then the one fifty fifty guy was Chris Mortensen one and one. Then you get into people that were under five hundred. Daniel Jeremiah was one and two. Jeff Darlington, Albert Breer, Jeremy Fowler, Vincent Frank were all 0-1. Benjamin Albright, another guy everybody loves to hate, and I'll be honest, I I don't, I don't know anything about his reputation necessarily, other than I really have a hard time with his arrogance. I mean, it is it is off the charts with this guy. But he was 1-3, which brings a smile to my face because stop being so arrogant. And then only getting worse from there, Eric Gelko was 0-2, John Ledger was 0-2, and, and at the very, very bottom was Matt Miller, who was 1-4. So I found that all pretty interesting. And again, it just kind of goes to something to keep in mind, and I'm going to try to stash this somewhere, because when somebody says something, there's certain people you want to perk up and listen to. For example, Charlie Campbell, Adam Schefter, Todd McShay, Dan Patrick, Lance Zerline, Peter King, Jacina Andrews, well, I don't know about the 1-0s, maybe you're a little nuts, forget Peter King. But there you go. Matt Miller, we'll see how well he does, but he was horrific last year. Also, the Draft Network is uh, over so far, <laughs> so hopefully they got some better sources this time around. They're they're new to the game, man. It's not to say they don't know people, but they're new to the game, so it's you don't know how to really parse information. You also don't know who good sources are and all that kind of stuff. Plus, and I know this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but as we get into crazy town season, it's not a bad idea when people start talking about Packers rumors to know who to listen to. But there's a difference between, you know, overhearing a regional scout who has no pull in an organization whatsoever, right? A regional scout can say, I absolutely love this guy. And if you then turn that into the Packers really like this guy, like the rumor about the Packers love Ja'Kai Polite, if that rumor was nothing more than a regional scout saying, I love Ja'Kai Polite, that's useless. Because he's not the Packers, he's a guy. So that would qualify for a false report. If you're telling me the Packers love him, you have to then mean either Brian Gutekunst himself or the consensus among the, the group is that we like and are interested in drafting Ja'Kai Polite. So it's, it's just, you know, my assumption is Adam Schefter, Charlie Campbell, these kinds of guys, they only like to report the latter type of news, whereas other guys who just want to be able to say that they have sources are the ones that overheard things at the steakhouse and then go tweet it out, such and such team is interested, according to source. And then they end up getting blasted and things like this, because you don't know what you're talking about. But I like this, and I'm definitely going to... I I do have a little bit of a thing going, but um, I think this is something... Even for Packers media, I might want to keep an eye on this one. Keep a running tally. But anyways, again, we got uh, Monday is legal tampering. But uh, even today through Monday... We've got some potential deals getting done. Uh, We heard from the Steelers that they want to get a deal done for, not even that they want to, they expect a deal done by Friday, which leads me to believe that a trade will occur on Friday, meaning they probably have a deal that they like and they're just waiting to see what else is coming, which led me to ask the question, why rush it? And then the thought occurred to me, with free agency coming, you kind of want to know what you have. You want to know the cap space that you have, and you want to be able to free up the cap space now. You want to have the cap space. You want to know which players are going to be on your team. You want to, you want to be able to know what you've got, including and up to and including uh, compensation. If, if the Steelers get a first-round pick, that's a potential first-round pick you can use in free agency if you so choose. So it makes sense for teams that are looking to trade to get a trade deal done prior to free agency, which should get all Packer fans excited because there are certain players that may be getting traded to the Packers, meaning between now and Monday, there could be trades that take, you know, the Chiefs, for example, may be looking to wrap up one of these trades for either D Ford or Justin Houston prior to the start of free agency, so they know what they have to leverage. On Monday, you have legal tampering period. You're calling up teams and agents and all these different stuff and trying to offer things up. You want to make sure you know how much money you've got on hand. You don't want to commit money. Look, look at for example D Ford. If if you're getting rid of Justin Houston and you're keeping D Ford, that has a massive implication on how much money you have to offer somebody. If you're able to trade D Ford and you've got Justin Houston, you want to keep him. That you know or do we want to maybe move both of them possibly we get rid of both and then we have a ton of room but we need a we need a pass rusher. So what come Monday we want to start calling on pass rushers. So it it makes sense that starting, you know, yesterday and the day before or whatever, we want to get something done or at least have something solidified prior to Monday. Which I guess is my way of just telling you that between now and the next couple weeks it's just going to be awesome. And I really hope stuff starts to happen. And I feel like things are starting to happen. You're you're getting those rumors about the Browns, which is mostly nebulous nonsense, but it's like, oh, something big is going on, something big. Dorsey's got something big. The players are all like, oh, something's going on. The fans and the media, nobody will hint at us, even a little thing about what's going on, except that something big is going on. You just, you feel things bubbling. And I'm just waiting for that dam to burst. Because you go from NFL starve to NFL overload. Like, I just don't know what to do with all this information. It's so glorious. But anyways, enough of that. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. First of all, I got a call from Duncan. I think that's his name. He was in the car. But uh, I just want to say I appreciate the call. I don't know that a lot of it could go out, but I'll I'll touch on it briefly. Um, I actually kind of did already. We were talking, he talked a lot about insider type stuff, gave a couple ideas on becoming an insider. I think obviously I wouldn't ever... Stick up my nose at it. I say I'm not an insider. Um, I would love to be able to have information. I do know some people I can contact. I just I don't know how to toe that line. It's kind of weird. You know, I've talked to some people and done interviews, but mostly it's just kind of like, oh, so what do you think about this or that? You know, it's kind of I don't know. I I guess I've thought about it. I don't really know how to get into that whole. By the way, how about you tell me some secrets? So I haven't really delved into that, but uh, yeah, I'll 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 consider that. Just don't want to overstep, you know. Um, and then you also mentioned basically what I already talked about, which is the idea of compiling information and then uh, tracking it to see you know, who some of the good sources are, which is hilarious because I just said that. But also for myself and trying to track how well of a job I'm doing at predicting things. Now, I, I, I think I tend to remember a lot of things and I, I call myself out sometimes when I get stuff wrong and I, I obviously brag quite a bit when I get stuff right. You guys know that. But, um, yeah, I I wouldn't mind. It's it's one of the things that I've talked about is wanting to get uh, the show transcribed. It would be nice if I could just submit my audio to something. And there are things, but they're unbelievably expensive. And you end up paying, like, by the hour. And it's like, I don't know, whatever it is. It's like, dude, I do almost an hour a day. I I can't afford this. But... um that would have been one of the things, because if something happens, what I would like to do is have all of that audio basically just broke down into a document that I can search and find out when I had referenced this or that player or whatever and see what I had said about it. So yeah, I do like that idea of being able to have a comprehensive... That's just how... that In general, that's how my mind works. I, I like to have things organized and my memory is garbage, so... I want to have as much that's why i like pro football focus and i like all these things because i can have these databases that i can just reference and i I know these websites that have different things and i you know over the cap that has the contracts and i can delve deep into these things but i have to have those kinds of databases and things like rumors and whatnot they're just they're just out there and some of them stick and some of them don't so that's why i started building that so that i have that database as well that i can refer back to not that i you know Obviously, I see all the news, I just, I can't remember it all, but it would be nice to definitely have that, but then, you know, again, if you have ideas on how to use that stuff, let me know, and one of the things that Duncan had brought up was, you know, try to keep track of who says what and how correct and incorrect they were, and also for myself, so maybe I'll throw in thoughts that I've had, although I don't really want to get too bogged down with nonsense, like, and then I had this opinion, but I like that, and then lastly, Duncan mentioned something that a few other of you uh, have mentioned, which is, to try to look at other players that the Packers have let go, kind of a where are they now, but more specifically targeted at, are they getting better or worse, should we have let them go, should we have kept them, Uh, probably, he didn't mention it, but do maybe a salary cap look and to see, you know, maybe Ted was right to let him go, but then why did we, you know, what happened to our salary cap? Because in general, if you look at safeties, for example, the reason there's so many safeties that are available that should not absolutely not be available is you're not handling your cap right. Now, that's not always the case. You look at Landon Collins, for example, and this is some news that came out recently. The thought process was, you know, I, sometimes a guy's value just goes above what your value is. And the Giants viewed Landon Collins as a very good safety and a guy that they wanted to retain, but they didn't felt feel that a... Franchise tag was a good idea for Landon Collins because they didn't think he was that good of a cover safety. You know, obviously he's a, he's a violent guy, good tackler, all this stuff. He's not terrible as a coverage guy, but they just looked at the the franchise or the yeah the franchise tag and they said no nah, no he's not worth that much money. And they know if they if they don't franchise tag him he's going to go out and he's going to get that money from somebody. And obviously that's unfortunate, but it just is what it is. So there's that. But there is also a lot of other times. For example, Tashawn Gibson. Uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, a lot of teams are calling up to see if a, a trade would be viable because they're picking on a team that mismanaged their salary cap. They know that they're strapped for cash, so the, so you get these sharks, these piranha, going over there just picking at them, trying to, trying to nibble them down to bare bones. So it would be interesting from a salary cap perspective to go back and look at the Packers. For example, why did we purge our entire offensive line? Was it a mismanagement of our salary cap or was it just that these guys, you know, it was one of those things like Landon Collins where we like to keep them, we have the money, but it just doesn't make financial sense. Like imagine if, you know, forgive the analogy, I got cars on the brain still. Imagine if your car became a free agent after like four years. How horrible would that be? Like I got a really good deal on this car and that's awesome. But then in three years, the car is going to want to go out and get what they're valued. It's like, oh, I, I would like ten thousand dollars. It's like, dude, I'm not giving you ten thousand. I didn't even pay ten thousand dollars for you four years ago. And it's like, all right, well then, you know, I guess buy because somebody's going to pay me ten grand, and my car's right. Somebody would pay ten grand for it, but I'm not paying ten grand for it, so I guess I just lost my car. There's that that aspect of it. But anyways, uh, Duncan, thank you very much for calling. Thank you for being a uh, a patron. Really appreciate that, and all the patrons. Um, I've I've got an idea of something that I'd like to do. And it's both for patrons, but also just for um, getting people to help comment and uh, um, rate the rate and review the podcast. And I guess I'll, I'll give you I'll tell you what it is <laughs> before we get to the next the next caller. And by the way, I, I didn't put your call on here mostly because you were in the car and there was a lot of background noise, but also it sounded like it went beyond three minutes, and it looks like there's a hard cut off at three minutes because you weren't done talking and it just stopped at three minutes. So hopefully you were almost done at three. But here's what I was thinking. I thought it would be kind of cool and a way to do kind of something interactive. And essentially it would be a podcast with one of you. And the way that it would work is is either with a patron, and we can do this several times before the draft. But what I wanted to do was a seven-round mock draft with some of the listeners. Maybe do like a once a week feature or something that I thought would be kind of cool. And it could even be like a bonus episode. Maybe I'd do it on Saturday. I would do my normal podcast and then there would be a bonus, you know, listener kind of podcast. And essentially how it would work is um, working with, you know, maybe one week doing a, a Patreon subscriber. And then the, the next, the other thing that I thought would be cool is get in the Facebook group and then do a screenshot of a rating and review. And obviously you can do as many as you want. If you want to, I don't mean, you know, do like six on iTunes, just do one. I don't want you to break rules. But if you leave a rating and review on, on Stitcher, post a picture of it. If you do a rating and review on iTunes, post a picture of it. If you comment on Reddit, Hey, check out I podcast you know, whatever, anything you're doing to help, um, the podcast and you can take a picture of it, post it up on there. And then what I would do is find some random generator kind of thing on the website, on a website, and then pick a name out of a hat, basically if you were interested in doing it. And then we would just do like a call or like a Skype call or something. We'd have to, I don't know, share each other's screen or however that would work. And we would just do like a live seven-round Packers mock draft and just kind of talk through stuff and talk about some of the picks. And, oh, man, so-and-so went off the board. All right, what are we doing here? And that would be a podcast, just a seven-round mock draft with a listener. Um, it's, it's basically what I've already done on my YouTube channel with somebody else. It was a lot of fun, and I think it'd be fun to be able to do something with one of the listeners and to be able to do uh, – some draft stuff, some interactive stuff, something a little bit different, you know, bonus episode type stuff. I don't know. I thought it would be a lot of fun. So if you're interested, uh, either get into uh, my Patreon. There is a link in the description. Or, so if, if you're already a, a patron, just reach out and say, yes, I'm interested. You're already on the list. Otherwise, get in the Facebook group and um, I'll, I'll do a thread on, on the group somewhere so that we can keep them all in one place. But I want to get something like that going. And maybe do more things like that more often. If it's not the draft, then what? hash out a couple things. Just do more, like, listener podcast type stuff. Anyways, moving right along. I also got a text message, uh, somebody with a Kansas area code. Didn't leave a name, but did have a question and a What Grinds My gears." so this is pretty legendary. Here's the question. Are people in witness protection afraid of the theme song from the TV show Cheers? I don't know if Brian Gutekunst has commented on that to date, but I'll have to go back into the archives and check it out. But um, I do appreciate the dad joke. It was very lame, and um, thank you. Dad jokes are always welcome on the podcast. As far as his what grinds my gears, here's what it says. What grinds my gears is how people don't understand the salary cap, as you've mentioned on the show. It should be called a budget, not a salary cap. This would make people stop and ask questions since we're mostly talking about American fans who don't know how to make a budget and can't fathom how to manage money without a credit card. Uh, First of all, you're kind of cutting me a little deep because I don't—I don't really do a budget. I mean, I do when we don't have any money. Then it's like, all right, fine, let's do a budget because money's going away and it's supposed to be going the other direction. It's going in the wrong direction. Let's look at what's going on. So I guess I'm one of those Americans who's too lazy to manage his own money. But at least I know the Packers' money, and that's what matters, isn't it? Come on, I'm good at managing other people's money. No, but you're—you're—you're you're, you're, you're right. And, you know, there, there are other factors. I mean, you know, I don't necessarily mind backloading a little bit because there's always going to be, similar to like a job, if you get a annual, let's just say they give you a 3% raise guaranteed every year, which is pretty rare, but let's just say that's a thing. You can maybe try to work that out. I don't know how you would do that with a budget. Anything that goes up next year is going to be like a cable bill, but it's not going to go up 3%. It's going to go up like, you know, 98%. But there are little tiny things that you can kind of factor in, I suppose. But yeah, you're, you're right. Money is money. And, and you know, we, we can't necessarily look at contracts as all guarantees, right? You can't say, well, we only have $17 million, and you're signing up to a $17 million per year deal. We're doomed. Well, you know, you got to, especially guarantees are one of the biggest things. Um, r- really, the, the guaranteed number is the most important number. The guaranteed and the overall, I guess, are the, are the two numbers. You know, the the full contract number makes sense if we keep them, and then the the guaranteed money is sort of what we 100% are out of. So if we can, and that's where that sort of discrepancy, sometimes people sign a contract and it's like you just, you know that this is not going to be a long-term contract because we can't afford the full contract, but we can afford the guarantees as they're spread out. You know, like, for example, the Packers and how their salary cap is going to spike a little bit with, with, as I've said, we got to sign Kenny Clark. Aaron Rodgers' cap goes through the roof. Devonte Adams' cap goes through the roof. If we had somebody who's, you know, let's just say starting this year, the cap, you know, if they had 17 million a year for the next three years, but their guarantees run out this year, it's like, oh, okay, so we're cutting them next year. Got it? Cool. Right. So there's there's nuance, but it's still just money. It's always just money. It, 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 it drives me nuts as much as people who say, and no offense if this is you, but as far as dieting, like calories in, calories out is a lie. It's not. It's 100,000% calories in, calories out. That's all it is. Now, there's some nuance to it, but at the end of the day, we're still just talking about calories in, calories out, right? Like, oh, no, well, for example, did you know that you burn more calories eating meat than you do eating, you know, leaves because le- meat takes more energy to process Therefore, you can't just count calories. Yes, you can, because if it takes more processing power to burn the meat, what are we talking about? Well, burning calories is what? It's called calories out. So guess what? We're still using the same equation. It's 1 billion percent absolutely just calories in, calories out. That's all weight loss, weight gain is. Same with the salary cap. Money is what it is. The cap is what it is. If you pay this person physical money, you actually physically do lose that money. It's 100%. There's no, oh, it drives me insane. And I, you know, it it wouldn't drive me so insane if there weren't, and I'm not going to name anybody by name, but there are certain prominent people, not super high up prominent people because I think they really know, but people kind of in the middle who pretend they know stuff, and there's some in Packers media that I, again, not going to trash them, not going down that road, but they keep saying it, And I want to strangle them for saying it. Salary cap isn't real. Cash over cap. You can move money. Blah, blah, Whatever all these lame bumper sticker phrases they say about the salary cap. The only reason that that the Jaguars would ever consider trading to Sean Gibson, the only reason guys like LaMarcus Joyner are hitting free agency and all this stuff, is salary cap. I can't spend beyond my cap, therefore... There's a percentage that I have to allocate to each position because of this hard cap. Therefore, I'm not going to pay above that. Therefore, I'm going to let this player go, who I should never let go, but I have to because of what? Because of salary cap. If you ever see anyone on Twitter or elsewhere, if you're listening to another podcast and they say, well, the cap isn't real, just please turn it off. I'm sorry. It drives me insane. Very insane. Oh, Captain Insano, in fact. I also got a message from Kyle in Kansas, which is funny because the last guy was Kansas, but this is a different number and a different portion of Kansas. But uh, Kyle has sent in quite a few things. Appreciate it, as always. As well as the other uh, Mr. Cheers from Kansas. I'm going to call you... Uh, how about Cliff? Or Norm? I'm going to go with Norm. Felt like a Norm kind of guy. That was Norm from Kansas. I'm going to flip it over to Kyle from Kansas. Here is the uh, the question. When you hear the organization wants to be aggressive in free agency for an edge rusher, does it make you worried they won't draft one with the 12th pick? Let's just say that D Ford... Let's say they get D Ford for a second round pick and sign Anthony Barr. Who do they draft at that point? How could you pass on Sweat at twelve, even if you sign these guys? Sorry for so many questions, but my mind is racing thinking about it, dude. Please ask questions. I got nothing but time to fill, my man. So here's my thought. I I, I think there is a case to be made that by signing, let's say, D Ford, you lessen the urgency But I don't think you pass on Sweat. Now, your specific example was, what if we get D Ford and Anthony Barr? I'm not super worried about that, because I don't think that's going to, I don't think we're getting two, and if we get two, I think it's going to be, I I guess I shouldn't say that, because Anthony Barr would be relatively cheaper-ish, not sure. But all right, thought experiment, let's play with it. Let's stick with your specific example. We get D Ford, and we get Anthony Barr. I still think the Packers are going to do best player available, and if Montez Sweat is there, that's who we're going to take. But yeah, suddenly you've got a situation where outside linebacker is is see, but that's tough because I don't I, I'm not big on Anthony Barr only because it's a complete unknown, and I know Packers. I've it's kind of funny because I'm I'm very immersed in just NFL. Twitter and NFL news right now and it's like I keep popping back into Packers Twitter and it's so old and pouring in my opinion and they're talking about the same stuff that we've been talking about for I don't know how many months but this whole Anthony Barr thing is just I mean listen some people like him some people don't and it's fine to have an opinion my thought on Anthony Barr is I just I don't have the information and nobody does well, he's really good at getting after the quarterback. Yeah, but he got after the quarterback from the inside as as a, I mean, 4-3 outside linebacker, but that translates to a 3-4 inside linebacker. So if we put him at inside linebacker, he would be good at rushing the passer, but he wasn't a very good linebacker. The other argument is, well, if you look at his his the way he's built, he's built to be one. There's a lot of guys built to be pass rushers that aren't very good. Well, look how productive he was in college. Again, what does that have to do with the NFL? I'm not saying he can't be. Unfortunately, the Vikings drafted him and put him out of position, so we don't know what he would have been. It's entirely possible that Anthony Barr is just waiting to be a top 10 pass rusher, just waiting for the right opportunity. I'm not saying that's not true. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying I'm not going to jump on the hype train because I have no information whatsoever, and all I do is operate off of information. I don't know. So the the tough part, again, about your question is it's hard because, okay, we got D Ford, so that's one. And it's, 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 even that kind of worries me because he's the guy that had, like, his one good year, so kind of worried. And then we get Anthony Barr, and it's like, I, I don't know what he can do. So I, it kind of gives me comfort in that, okay, if, if Sweat is there and he's our top guy, let's take him, because of this three, hopefully we can patch together two. But then, you know, the obvious problem occurs, we have three, and that's not great, and why did we spend so much Is in terms of draft capital and this or that? Beyond that, there's a price factor. You know, we're, we're paying a lot for our outside linebackers. Beyond that, there's an age factor. We've got two that are getting up in age and one that you know was kind of... So I'll just say that I don't see that happening. I think maybe something that would make a little bit more sense is to get a D-Ford and then get a lesser, like the, the guy that I mentioned out of Denver, who's been a backup that probably won't cost as much, just for some kind of, of quality depth. Because then you're spending a little bit less money and you're also putting yourself in a position, and I, I think it's also important to try to put yourself in a position at 12 where you don't feel the, the absolute need to trade up. I think there, there could be some real good value that falls to 12 and to have the ability to just wait and see what happens, see if somebody falls and if not, try to trade back. That's a great spot to be in. And what I don't want is to be in a position where we didn't get an edge rusher and we're panicking and we just have to overspend in draft capital to move up and get a pass rusher. So I think that's sort of the benefit of getting one, and also maybe, again, if we get one in sort of a backup. I mean, there's an unlimited number of, of scenarios, but again, specifically, do I think that if they do end up getting two, does that mean they won't get somebody in the 12th that's a pass rusher? I I just think at that point they're going to do best, best player available. Now, here's the other thing to consider, though, because as I've mentioned before, best player available isn't linear. My, if you go to NFLBigBoard.com, which is my draft website, it's It's linear. It's, it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. 5 is above 6, 6 is above 7, 7 ab- is above 8. These are things that we should all know, I would assume. However, that's not how big boards work. Big boards work as far as team NFL team big boards operate as tiers. Now, as you get into the first round, you've probably got several tiers. Right out of the, you might have Quinnen in his own tier. You might have Bosa in his own tier, and then you've got Allen and uh, and you know Ed Oliver and a couple other people in the next tier. But then as you go on, you've got you got like five guys in this tier, 20 guys in this tier. So so I guess to answer your question, it's possible because let's say we get to 12 and we've got six guys in this tier, or or let's say there's three. So there's three, so we don't really want to trade back because there's a good chance we're going to lose all three. Let's just pick one. So we've got Sweat, we've got DK Metcalf, and we've got TJ Hawkinson. I'm just throwing out names, I don't know. But let's say those three guys are in our tier. Well, if we did get D Ford and Anthony Barr, I might not pick Sweat. I might start to say, you know what, let's invest in our offense, especially if we got somebody at safety. It's like, man, our defense is already looking pretty solid let's start to address early on our offense. So we can look at TJ Hawkinson or DK Metcalf, possibly get the next Julio Jones and DK, or the next, you know, Gronk, or whatever you want to compare him to, Travis Kelsey, whatever, in TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fantz, or whoever it ends up being. So, the, yes, there. I'll answer it this way. There is a scenario in which that's possible. Not saying they won't, they're, they're not going to go into it saying we're not getting a pass rusher at 12, but there is a scenario if we get let's say two, or, or even one really good one, and we, and we somewhat satisfy that need to where it's not urgent, and then we come to a point where we have a tier, and we have several players, and we're not looking to move, and we have to pick it within this group, it's possible that we pass on the, the pass rusher and take an equally talented other player, equally talented safety, equally talented offensive lineman, guard, tackle, equally talented tight end, wide receiver, whatever. Um, and then to be super specific, am I worried that they won't draft one? I don't know if I'm worried because I I think if we get to the point at 12 where we feel that we are comfortable enough with our outside linebacking group that we can take somebody else, I think we're in a pretty good spot, and I think that means that we hit on something in free agency. Now, am I a little bit worried that maybe they're going to do it in a way that I'm not comfortable with, as in getting these second-tier outside linebackers that aren't going to produce, that aren't going to get us 10 sacks, that aren't going to be top 20, top 25, even top 30 pass rushers, top 30 edge rushers, and we stack the team with a couple of these guys, and we're we're left with kind of trashy outside linebackers, and then they come to that tier, and then they say, well, we already spent money on pass rushers, let's go a different direction, and then we don't address it at 12, so having a great opportunity in free agency and a great opportunity in the draft, we pass on on getting a top-tier pass rusher in both cases, yes, I'd be worried about that. But I, I do think that Kunst is, is... I don't think he's going to do that. Uh, again, I, I, I don't know. I, I, th- there is worry. Yes, there's, there's worry. I was t- talking to my friend yesterday, You know, we, we talk about all the great scenarios and like, ooh, what if they did this and this and this? But there's also a negative side of that. What if he does go a little more of the Ted Thompson route, and, and instead of getting the top guys, we get mid to low mid tier guys that you know just are never going to be top guys and it's going to improve the room and, and maybe make it so that we're spending less but getting more which is always nice but we still don't have the guy and at the end of the day what we need is the ability to get after the quarterback that's what this is all about whether it comes from the inside or the outside it doesn't really matter we need to get pressure on the quarterback And I'll I'll, I'll say this, if we don't have that fixed by 12, yes, I'm worried. I don't care if it's Quinnen Williams, I don't care if it's Ed Oliver, I don't care if it's D. Ford, Justin Houston, Olivier Vernon, Montez Sweat, Josh Allen, I don't care who it is. The Green Bay Packers need to have at least one guy that they're saying, okay, now we have at least some ability to get after the passer, to to, to get after the quarterback. With, With Kyler Fackrell and Kenny Clark and all these other pieces, we've got somebody else that's going to get after it. If, if, if we're not addressing that until 30, yes, I'm concerned. Not to say it's impossible. We could get Jerry Tillery on the inside, who maybe could do it. Chase Winovich, I think, is a pretty good football player. I, I've, again, likened him to Harold Landry. I put him in the same category in terms of having certain limitations, but I think having good enough attributes to be able to get there. Uh, you know, there's there's other guys, Jalen Ferguson, O'Shane Zimenez. I haven't really looked into them very much, but just, you know, they're there but again those are kind of the second tier guys That it's like Ngh. we had the opportunity to get like a top 10 guy I just I just want that and again I'm putting Quinn in on that list because getting after the quarterback is going to be a thing and then yeah get O'Shane uh, Zimenez, get Chase Winovich get Jalen Ferguson because then we got something on the outside you've got something on the other side. I mean again look at the Rams what do the Rams have at outside linebacker not very much I know everyone freaks out about Dante Fowler. He's never been that good, and he wasn't all that great last year. He was a big upgrade for them, but he's not elite, and they don't have anything. They got one guy on the inside that's a monster, and that's all they need. They have the best best pass rusher in the NFL as a defensive tackle, and there's not a person on this planet who would be brain-damaged enough to say, well, the Rams really struggle with, with getting after the quarterback, because they don't at all. Now, I'm sure they would love to get an outside linebacker, you know, but, but yes, and, and, you know, I, I apologize, Kyle. I, I, I'm trying to keep bringing it back to your question. I feel like I've answered it to some degree, but I just, that would be my biggest thing. It doesn't have to be D Ford, it doesn't have to be Justin Houston, it doesn't have to be whoever, and I'll, I guess I'll throw in Trey Flowers, because every single person I see on Packers Twitter only wants to talk about getting Trey Flowers, even though the guy is a 4-3 defensive end, he's not an outside linebacker, I don't know what he's going to do for our team, I don't know if he can stand up at all, I don't know if you ever are going to want to drop him into coverage, maybe you pay him you know, $20 million just to bring him out in sub-packages so he can put his hand in the dirt, but that's not great. You have to bench him when we're in our base because you don't want him standing up or are you going to kick him inside as a, maybe you can just kick him inside. And he'll play you know next to, to Kenny Clark opposite uh, you know Mike Daniels. If you can do that, I'd be okay with it, I suppose. that'd be fine. But we got to address it. We have to address because it's there because we have the money. We have the draft capital if we want to make a trade. we have the money if it's going to be a free agent. We have the draft capital if we want to get 12. We have the draft capital if we want to move up to get somebody. It's there for the taking. We need to get a pass rusher. I'm, I'm willing and open to the idea of that pass rusher coming from the inside. It would be great if it was on the outside, but we got to address it. And, and I, I guess, to an extent, I share your worry, Kyle, that by 12, 12 is going to come and go, and we're sitting there going, ah, wh- wh- we, don't, we still don't have one! Why don't we have one? How did this happen? It's possible. But I I just, I think we're going to get one. Now, there's no guarantee it's going to pan out. We can get D Ford, and he just completely falls off. Because, again, he had one good year. It was a fluke. And he had Justin Houston on the other side. He comes here. He has nobody on the other side. He has nobody getting double teamed. So he's getting blocked up, and he doesn't do anything for us, and it was a waste of money. Maybe we get Justin Houston, and the guy's just over the hill, and he starts his decline coming to Green Bay. Maybe we get Trey Flowers and pay him top money, and it turns out, yep, he can't play outside linebacker. He doesn't fit in our scheme at all. Maybe we draft Sweat, and everybody's right. The dude can't bend. Maybe we get Ja'Kai Polite, and he's too small. Maybe we get Brian Burns, and he's too small. He can't do anything against the run, and he's a, a, a pass rusher, and he's only like an 8-9 to nine sack pass rusher who's useless against the run. You know, there's always scenarios in which it doesn't work. But we all know what, what trying to get a top pass rusher at least looks like. There's, there's an expectation that you get it right, but there's also an expectation that you you put in full effort to get it done. The first step is put in the effort. The second step is y- you better get it right, which is something else that we need to keep a, keep an eye on going into next year because we, we've all thrown out names, right? I like D Ford and Justin Houston. I like Justin Houston a lot more because he feels safe. But it'll be interesting as the season progresses to look at some of these other guys. If D Ford gets sent somewhere else, keep an eye on him. How's he doing? If he regresses, then you kind of look at it. You know, let's say we don't get anybody, we gotta look at it and say, well, well, look, we dodged a bullet here, we dodged a bullet here, we dodged a bullet here. It looks like Gutikuns was maybe correct. These people all overpaid. So we won't really know the full answer until a little ways. You know, as as we get later into the season, that'll be something. Hopefully, I I'm cognizant of of keeping keeping an eye on. But um. Yeah, I I have an expectation by the 12th pick that pass rush will be improved. And I think I'll just leave it at that. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Uh, I want to turn to the Facebook group uh, quickly. Brandon uh, left a comment in there. It was pretty long and pretty well thought out, but I just want to, I guess, kind of hone in something that I was touching on. If you look at the first sentence here, it says, Rosen was my QB1 last year, but I'm not really interested in giving up anything for his fully guaranteed contract that only has four years left. Rodgers has five left. Goes on to talk about how he wasn't all that great. I, I, I think the crux of what I was talking about yesterday wasn't meant to be, although it definitely came off this way, but it wasn't meant to be, I think we should go after Rosen. It was more meant to be, I don't understand how it's a third. It just feels like a great value, a, a too good of a value at th- at, at a third. And if nothing else, I feel like it's almost impossible if the Packers did trade a third to get Rosen that we couldn't flip him for at least a second-round pick, probably a first-round pick, because all we would have to do is develop him into a starting-caliber quarterback, and guess what? You get a first-round pick for the guy. But no, I don't actually want to do it. It was more just me trying to sort through how in the world is it only a third for Rosen. I mean, did 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 everybody just watch him last year and say this is it, this is what he is, he'll never be any better? Because I don't know, I don't know how else uh, this could work. Uh, Dominic in the group said he would like to trade Rodgers for Mahomes, so thank you for your contribution. <laughs> and, and you know, I really don't want to comment on it because obviously I love Aaron Rodgers, he's a Packer, I always wanted him to be a Packer, he's a very very good quarterback. Um, the comment section wasn't super kind to Dominic. <laughs> But, I mean, l- let's be completely honest. There, there's some validity to it. And and I think, you know, the biggest counter argument is we need to see what Mahomes is long-term. A lot of quarterbacks have been good for a year. RG3 was a very good quarterback in his first year. You know, uh, Kyle brought up Chris Johnson, was great for a year. James brought up Dak Prescott, was this amazing quarterback for a year. Now it's like, I don't know if this guy's a franchise quarterback or not. Deshaun Watson was the greatest thing ever for a year. Marcus Mariota. The list goes on and on. However, I, th- I think if we're just looking at value, let's just say Mahomes is what Mahomes is, and Rodgers gets back to what he is, and let's just say they're equally talented. Let's just say they're they're the same, or even Rodgers is a little better. Rogers is is sort of, you know, one A and Mahomes is one B, right? He's he's a, a half a rung lower. Even in that case, just based on age, if you gave all thirty-two teams, and I'll I'll take the Packers off the list. Let's say you gave uh, we'll take the Packers and the Chiefs off the list, and you ask the 30 other teams: Would you rather have Rodgers or Mahomes? Based on age by itself, I think most would probably say Mahomes. So again, I don't, I don't want to get super into it because I don't want to upset people. But I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking at it from an accounting standpoint or an actuarial standpoint. Would I do it? Of course not. Rodgers is our guy. We locked him up. I'm very happy with Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to be devastated when we lose Aaron Rodgers, and that could be the end of an era unless we can find a new quarterback. So no, I don't want to do it, but I'm, I'm just... I'm not going to kill Dominic for saying it because there's there's validity to it. If Mahomes is the real deal, and this is what he is for real, I mean, he could be the next Aaron Rodgers, just a lot younger. But we, it still remains to be seen. Uh, another question, and I think I think I'll leave it at this. This is from uh, Joshua, also in the Facebook group. He says, I know everyone's in agreement that we need an edge rusher, but food for thought. What if Nick Perry is healthy and productive next year? He has been pretty solid, except for the injury history, and, well, he was terrible last year. What if Fackrell is the real deal? I know he isn't great, but he's okay and does get pressure. Maybe Reggie Gilbert takes a leap. Also, last year uh, was year one under Pettin. I understand these are a lot of what-ifs, but something to think about. I agree, and I, I kind of, you know, stuff, stuff changes. I, I there, every year we go into it thinking we know stuff and we we're very wrong. So one of the things I know is that we don't know. And I've already touched on the fact that I I would be shocked if we do keep Nick Perry. I would be shocked if he's as bad this year as he was last year for a couple reasons. Number one, that was the the low that was beyond. I mean, th- there's like top end Nick Perry. There's like you know low-end Nick Perry, and then there's whatever that was. That was like the worst pass rusher in the NFL. I I don't understand what happened there. If we just get average production out of Nick Perry, I mean, he was always the guy that you look at and say he's not living up to his expectations. But just in a vacuum, he's not horrible, right? He was always good at setting the edge. He could get a few sacks here and there. The biggest issue, as Joshua said, is his injury history. That was always frustrating. It was like a big joke, like, well, we're going to get six games out of this guy but but also and he talks about the what ifs but but here's here's maybe what could tie all these what ifs together is Mike Smith and I've, I've i've talked about there is a massive chasm between and i'm 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 these are assumptions on my part i don't know these things but just what i came to see from our old it's not even outside linebacker's coach and the reason i keep emphasizing this He was the linebackers coach, which is inside and outside, slash uh, head coach assistant, who was a little bit weird, and there was also an accountability issue, and the accountability issue took place not just with the players, but with the coaches. So you got a guy that's a little lax, that has a ton of stuff on his plate, and it just felt like nobody was actually paying attention to the outside linebackers there was no energy there was no effort there was no anything from the outside linebackers it felt like they didn't care and they it seemed like they didn't care and they felt like they didn't have to care and i tend to think that if we just kept everybody and didn't add anybody else so we we've got Perry we got Matthews we got Fackel, we got Gilbert we got uh, Donerson we got whatever that's our group if we came back again next year i do think Nick Perry would be better It's possible that he could have his best year because Mike Smith has already demonstrated that he has that ability. He has the ability to look at guys with raw tools like Nick Perry, guys who are very physical that maybe got it done in college because they were just physically gifted, but nobody actually coached them to say, what about this and that and this, and how about you do this and work on this and da-da-da-da-da. But even if we don't go there, just, just give me good Nick Perry and give me Clay Matthews because Clay Matthews is kind of in that Justin Houston territory. Similar to Nick Perry, I guess, and also similar to whatever, but it, it would be the opportunity to kind of work on his fundamentals, because in the article that I had read, if maybe you didn't hear the podcast, but there was D Ford and Justin Houston laid out, I think D Ford was actually quoted in it, but also referenced Justin Houston, sometimes guys just kind of forget about fundamentals, and they, and they get so good, especially as you get older, this is so key, because even guys, you know, Justin Houston in his youth could rely on his athleticism, he's just better than everybody, And he didn't really have to, as you get older and you lose some of those tools and you don't have the speed and you don't have the flexibility and bend anymore, that's when you need a guy like Mike Smith that's going to say, okay, we got to work on your technique, stuff that you never really did before. And they admitted that. D Ford... And, and Justin Houston admitted, I, I never really worked on technique as much as I was supposed to because I was just so athletic. And D Ford was, he used that athleticism in college, but you come to the NFL, it's not good enough. So he's like, all right, let's focus on technique. Let's focus on your footwork. Let's focus on your hands. Let's focus on moves and counter moves, and let's, let's specifically strategize all this stuff. The benefit that would have to a Clay Matthews and to a Nick Perry and to a guy like Fackrell who has tools... But it's just kind of like a wild man out there, right? It, it, again, how do you have a guy with double-digit sacks that has a bad PFF grade? Because it's there's so much fluctuation. He's just winging it. Most of the time, he's winging it and, and doing terrible. But occasionally, he wings it, and he goes flying around somebody, and he gets a sack, and he looks like he's the best pass rusher in the NFL. Like, whoa, what was that? So again, just keeping things as they were, there is an expectation. I believe they would get better because we're not only... I mean, I think just taking away the bad and the negative that we had, the lack of oversight and just the, the, the dysfunction, taking that away is a benefit. Adding in structure. it does, Forget Mike Smith. Just adding in structure and, and having oversight, having an outside linebacker coach, which we did not have last year, a guy that was dedicated to just those people, to have meetings with just those guys, to focus on technique with just those guys, to talk about that and, and to focus on the, the demeanor of just those guys. You know, just, just focusing on the attitude and the, and the energy and the aggression and, and playing into that, trying to get them fired up and, and focusing on that aspect of it as well. Getting them angry, getting them riled up, making them feel like bad dudes. And again, it doesn't have to be Mike Smith and all the, these particular things that he does. Just anybody that just focuses on them and, and, and demands accountability is going to give us another step. And then again, you add in Mike Smith, who who has that attention to detail that is able to help certain people. And, 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 you know, maybe different people need different things, but I think the Packers in particular would benefit tremendously from a Mike Smith because that kind of attention to detail is good for two types of people in my mind. Number one, guys coming right out of college, young guys, Because they they know how to beat people in college, you got to really focus on fundamentals if you're going to win in the NFL. Because there aren't too many people who are so athletic they can win just on athleticism at the highest levels. Because offensive tackles are freaks in the NFL. The other one is guys who have kind of lost their edge. Guys like Clay Matthews, guys like Nick Perry, who, you know, we're talking first-round guys. The tools are there, but maybe they're waning. You've got the tools, let's kind of work on fundamentals. So I, I think Josh brings up a great point, but but the the point is I don't want to say we don't need to focus on edge rusher now. The point is, let's not forget, as we address edge rusher, as we get help, there is also a reasonable expectation that the guys we have will all get better. If we bring back Clay, I think he's gonna have an uptick. I think he will be a little bit better. Is he gonna be old school Clay Matthews? No, he's never gonna be that again. I think he will improve as a pass rusher. I think Nick Perry, we can expect better production out of Nick Perry, assuming he's healthy. There there is I don't know that Kyler Fackrell is going to get any better because I, I have a hard time believing that he didn't peak, especially as a pass rusher. But Reggie Gilbert, perhaps, right? We've seen the tools. Maybe that can be refined. I don't know. But it, but again, the 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 new coaching staff brings with it a reasonable expectation of growth at a baseline for the guys we already have. Expect the growth, and then we add in the extras, the free agents and everything else, Those two components need to come together, and if they do, a lot of good things can happen. If the new coaches can coach up the young corner, and again, I've mentioned it before, of course every team wants to get better because of coaching, but not every team has the amount of youth that we have. Not every team has a new coaching staff like we have. How many teams have early round cornerbacks just waiting to be groomed into dominant corners in the NFL? I can think of one. And that's the Green Bay Packers. I mean, look what Vic Fangio did for the Bears. They had Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller wasn't all that great. They, they got Prince of Mukamura. Prince of Mukamura was okay. He's not elite. They, they had all these different guys. Callahan kind of showed flashes, but he wasn't so... Vic Fangio just came in and was like, guess what? Boom, you're elite now. He, he coached them. He and, and whoever their DB coach, cornerback coach, pass game coordinator, all these guys, whoever it was, they coached them and made them better. That's why the coaching search was so incredibly important. If we can hit on these, if we can get guys that know how to hone and refine the talent we have and there's talent off the charts, our defense is nothing but first-round draft picks everywhere. I mean, not safety anymore, but man, oh man, I mean, between from Mike Daniels to Kenny Clark and, and, well, our defensive line coach is still the same guy, but that guy's really good. But we got the outside linebacker coach now that can come in and, and get the young guys going and maybe help to tweak the older guys. The new, the new DB and, and corner coaches coaching up the young corners could be huge. So and it's just it's kind of an important reminder as well that we can't use 2018 as a baseline. I mean, we can use it as a baseline, but we can't just take 2018 into 2019 and say, this is the Packers. How do we tweak 2018 to make it? 2019 is a new year. We don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to be. We don't know what Devontae is going to be. We don't even know who's going to be healthy, who's going to be good, who's going to be bad, who's going to get better, who's going to get worse. Who's going to be on the team? We don't know anything. So, you know, somewhere between worst team in the NFL and a Super Bowl championship is going to lie the Green Bay Packers, and that's up to and including those two options. And I know technically my job is to tell you specifically that I know everything, but the fact of the matter is the only thing I know is that we'll fall somewhere in between those two extremes, because nobody knows. Maybe Mike Smith is going to be trash, and it, it, he he made it work over in Kansas City, and it's just not going to do anything here, and they're going to hate him, and it's not going to work. But um, again, very good reminder we we don't know what people are just because of what they did in 2018. So, anyways, I got to get out of here. You folks enjoy your Thursday. Keep an eye on the news. I think some stuff is going to be some stuff's going to be kicking off real soon here. But um, enjoy your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.